Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Kion, what are you doing? This is who I am now. I'm all about being a jazz musician. I've totally immersed myself, and I've learned so much. Did you know that when they talk about bird, they're referring to a person? There was so much I wasn't aware of. I destroyed all my Celine Dion CDs. It turns out she's not very good. Is that a song, or are you just warming up? I'm not 100% sure. Let me see. Okay, that is totally a song. Kion, this is awkward, but it kind of looks like you're just holding the saxophone and pretending to blow in it. Well, of course that's what I'm doing. Jazz is totally conceptual now. Didn't you know that? Playing is so 90s. I mean, I may be a little fuzzy on the details, but I believe Ornette Coleman was the last person to actually play, and that was quite some time ago. Are you hip to what I'm digging, Kat? Ugh, I can't take this. Part of being a jazz artist, for me, is... Where'd you go? <laughs> Part of being a jazz artist is having your introduction be cut off very abruptly in a highly conceptual way. So we have no idea. We've been having some technical difficulties here today. This is just the latest of them. But we are uh, very hopeful that you can you can hear me speaking. I'm almost 100% sure that that's happening anyway. This is our year-end jazz review. We do it uh, every year, uh, fittingly. And we do it uh, with uh, both critics and musicians because I think that's the most fun. And we mostly do it, I think, at the behest of or the, at least with the reminder of Gene Seymour, uh, our favorite jazz critic. Uh, he's joining us right now from the wonderful studios, studios of WHYY in Philadelphia. Hi, Gene. I am here, and I'm here for you, Colin, right. as always. <laughs> uh, and by the way, if you want to hear the rest of the introduction, uh, we'll get it up on the website at WNPR.org. It'll be sort of a web extra now. Uh, with us in studio are two people who I can I, uh, introduce almost identically, but for one small detail, because they are both pianists, they are both composers, they are both performers, they are both educators. Uh, they are Jen Allen and Noah Behrman. Noah is also artistic director of the nonprofit Re- I can't read my own handwriting. Resonant... Resonant Motion. The Resonant Motion. I thought it said Resonant Moth, but that didn't really seem like that was a very good name for a nonprofit. Uh, all right, Resonant Motion. So uh, they're with us. Uh, Jean's in Philadelphia. We're going to be talking about some uh, of their favorite releases of the year. And so I, I do feel as though people get a... You know, people who are not jazz people, they get they know that they like some jazz, and they know also that they're a little bit put off or over-challenged by other kinds of jazz. So I kind of try to front-load the show with some of the ones that uh, 
uh, that they'll find less scary. And then we'll just get progressively a little bit more challenging. And then towards the end of the show, we do have sort of a group of songs that really are about sort of grief and loss, which I think was kind of a theme in jazz this year. But um, so we're going to begin just to get some uh, music up here with uh, a a young uh, pianist, uh, another pianist composer uh, named Gary Pollitzer. And I think, Noah, this was one of yours. So uh, do you want to set this up a little bit? Sure. Um, Carrie's, in a sense, a great example of how um, much the great work being produced in jazz now is spreading out. Carrie lives in Portland, Oregon, though she was based in New York for a long time. And a great musician who uh, people should be hearing from more. I wish, and hopefully they'll start to. Um, Her uh, the drummer on this record, uh, George Colligan, her, her husband, husband yeah. uh, who is also uh, best known as a pianist and composer himself. The uh, it, obviously you save on salary if you can get your husband to play at least one of the instruments. Uh, the um, she's kind of interesting too because she's had kind of. Uh, I was listening to some of her other work today. She had like did like, like a singer songwriter release. And, yeah, and, yeah, and that, that's a great record too. She's she's very eclectic, and um, if part of what we're trying to do is. Uh, give the listeners a point of entry. Uh, one of the things that's great about Carrie's music, and this will be true of a number of the people we'll be listening to today, is that it's it's very uh, visceral, it's very accessible and uh, easy to relate to without being watered down at all. Uh, it's very Her music is actually very complex, but, uh, but still gets you right in the jugular. This CD is called Below the Surface. We'll hear uh, what our other two panelists have to say about it after we play a little of this clip. I, I liked the cut Two Worlds uh, from this CD. Uh, Noah picked out Dilemma. the whole thing, but then we wouldn't be able to play any other songs. We have a lot of them we want to get to. So, uh, Jen Allen, first of all, is this artist also on your radar screen? Actually, she's not, um, but I hope to have her on there now. She sounds terrific. Um, I like the writing. I like the arranging. Um, I want to hear more. So, um. And how about you, Gene Seymour? Uh, How aware of Carrie Pollitzer are you? Uh, The word counterpoint always comes to mind when I think of access ways to jazz. I think a lot of people get drawn in because of that kind of what I call a kind of contrapuntal kick, uh, pitch and catch thing, which is going on a lot in that. And uh, um, I like what I'm hearing. I like what I hear- I'm hearing a lot. She has a little bit of that Fred Hirsch thing going on there, too, with a lot of her attack. And uh, it uh, sounds good to me. All right. Um, so as we go along here, too, I'm going to sort of try to draw out from our panelists what they what they really do look for. And it's, I, I find in the past sometimes it's, it's hard for either a musician or a critic to – well, critics can always describe uh, what it is they're looking for. Musicians, uh, sometimes it's more of a feeling, I think, uh, and, and just a musician's ineffable sense of what they like about uh, another performer. But, uh, but Jen Allen, let's uh, go to one of your choices. This is a woman with a really – 
interesting backstory. Her name is Helen Sung. She's from Houston. Uh, she grew up in a family where she was clearly being groomed to be a classical concert pianist. Uh, according to her, she heard Tommy Flanagan, and nothing was ever the same again. Uh, wh- what else do you want to tell us about Helen Sung? Um, she's a wonderful person. I've I've met her many times. We're friends, and um, but she is just so much facility on the piano. If you want to hear a great pianist in any way, like a solo piano in a group, she's just amazing. She There's really nothing she can't do. She plays with the best of musicians, and the way she writes is, I think, is very accessible. This album is is one of the ones I like best out of all her albums. Um, I chose this one tune um, because it's the first tune. I always look at the first tune on people's albums as like, this is the one they really want people to listen to because they put it first. But albums aren't looked at that way anymore every, since you know now you can get it on the computer and you're not really like dealing with a CD. But So I still like to think of this as like, because I'm a musician and I think that way, she put that one first. But this is a great tune um, that we're going to listen to. And it's got a funny little backstory. I don't know if you know um, anything about Brother Thelonious, the song that we're going to listen to. But it it was written um, for the beer, Brother Thelonious. Like they wanted a commercial. And so she wrote this as like a theme song. I don't know if it was ever actually used for that, but... Mm. um, that was the backstory on it, but no, she's she's so accessible. So um, Noah Noah has written five or six beer jingles. Uh, <laughs> that's where the money is, right? I mean, you know, yeah. Uh, but I, I guess I do uh, avant-garde jazz songs for microbrews, and you and put it all together, and I haven't uh, gotten rich from that yet. But actually, I, I'm probably the only one. Uh, Gene, yeah, you was you, Gene, you might be old enough to remember. Remember when Jerry Mulligan used to do? Jeez, I think it was Narragansett, and 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 I think yeah. Brubeck might have done it. But Jerry Mulligan was actually he appeared. In, it was either for I think it was for Narragansett beer. Someone will know. Uh, I and think Ryan, it might have been Rheingold actually, because Rheingold did a lot of beer sponsorship for the Newport Festival. I think so. It might have been them. I'm not sure, but yeah. Um, no, that was Wagner. Wagner did the the Rheingold commercials. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're getting off track here. So uh, let's hear uh, by Helen Sung. Uh, This is, uh, as we said, a choice by Jen. It's Brother Thelonious. I really fell in love on a number of levels with Helen Sung getting ready for this uh, show today. But, you know, um, no, one thing that uh, she said was uh, that she, you know, she did come out of this classical background. I mean, I assume most jazz pianists probably started out. Uh, I mean, I, I, does anybody just start out playing jazz piano? Don't, don't, everybody, to a certain degree, probably goes through the, the pipeline of playing Bach and Beethoven and learning scales. And I'd say many do. Uh, I'd say most people don't start off playing jazz simply because jazz itself is so complex that you can't really start off with something that advanced. There are people who start off playing blues uh, or other forms of like popular music and then using that as the point of entry. Um, for the church. 
Yeah. Church, church, yeah. 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 Um, but certainly there's a lot of classically trained mm-hmm. folks. And one of the things that's great about Helen is that, you know, here's a classically trained uh, Asian-American woman from Texas, and she plays at this stage so authentically. Her 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 feeling, her articulation, her soul is so um, so deeply rooted in the jazz tradition, and uh, and yet she's got her own voice. It, uh, it's it doesn't doesn't fit the demographics you would expect for this music. And no, she does it so well. She's not a cliche. The Houston Asian female. Not jazz, yet. Maybe uh, she'll be a trendsetter. Be. Yeah. And so Jean, I read one interview with her where she was. Uh, she seems like a very uh, amusing and interesting person. And she just she talked about trying to make this transition. And uh, I mean, she did stay in the classical pianist pipeline longer than most people do. And and her family like really didn't want her to do this jazz thing. And we're trying to get her to I think pursue a doctorate. Um, and uh, but she said that she was chasing the swing, and the interviewer said, "What do you mean by that?" She said, "She said I couldn't swing." Um, and obviously, from what we just heard there, Jean, she can swing now. But you know, I mean, that's one of those terms that jazz musicians know exactly what they're talking about, and everybody else kind of maybe instinctively um, knows. Not, not always. They don't know what they're talking about. I mean, it. it, it I mean, first of all, uh, let me congratulate you both once again on your perspicacity of taste. Uh, I was familiar with Alan Sung. I did not get to hear this album. I'm glad I finally got to hear it. And uh, and I know, but I know the backstory. I know all about her because I've had several people talk her up to me. And um, um, whatever that elusive quality is, I think a lot of classical musicians, even those who you know you wouldn't expect to, have trouble sort of sliding into it. I think uh, Jen, you you referred earlier to the church influence. Mm-hmm. Um, those who sort of come up through that pipeline have a more have a more ease and affinity with that kind of, um, for want of a better term, rocking motion that uh, that 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 sort of sort of leads to you know acquiring an affinity for swing. But um, if you want to get if you want to watch my eyes glaze over, I, I I get people who sort of say, "No, this is swing. No, this is swing." <laughs> I don't you know forget it. Either, you know it, it's there. It doesn't need to be defined. Um, she has it. Booyah. So. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Although, Jen, somebody, I think somebody told me one time that the swing was when you play the short notes longer and the long notes shorter. Although it seems to me that would just sort of cause everything to even out into yeah, yeah, that's place. that's a yeah, that's not a terrific way to to um, to explain it, but it's definitely a lilting kind of feel. So mm-hmm. I I guess that's probably where that comes from. But. Well, she definitely swings now. Yeah. All right. So what, this uh, this next release, actually, um, several of you, I think, had uh, different uh, versions of this anyway. But uh, this is Kenny Barron and Dave Holland. We're going to have Gene set it up. But I think, Noah, did you have it on your list or did Jen? I can't remember. One of you. Uh, I did. You had it I on did. your list, well, too. Helen, Helen and I were both uh, disciples of Kenny's. And uh, so... Um, well, Jen, Jen alluded earlier to Tommy Flanagan's influence. And uh, what Tommy Flanagan represented um particularly in his later career was the 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 standard bearer for a kind of jazz piano tradition you know rooted rooted again in bop and swing but also with very kind of base level of lyricism and 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 use of those things in a very centered uh centered way i think that kenny barron it's safe to say now is represents that pinnacle he represents that um that he is that persona that Tommy Flanagan occupied for many years, and, and for a long time, uh, one of the many things he did very well uh, were, were these kind of colloquies, these kind of conversations with other instrumentalists. Um, um, 
famously he did one of Stan one, I think it was Stan Getz's last album was a duo album where mm-hmm. he and Stan Getz sort of you know kind of conversed there's People a beautiful die. album with yeah with there's a beautiful album with him and Reg, Regina Carter which is unfortunately out of print um this time uh this year a, a lot of us a lot of our ears perked up when we heard that he was going to do a a conversation with Dave Holland and uh, those of you who know anything about jazz today and in the recent past uh, don't need to know who Dave Holland is he is one of the three or four greatest living bass players around and we thought what took them so long and um and this album uh, the art of conversation it's called it's on the blue note label and it did not disappoint let's put it that way all right we're going to play uh we had a couple of different nominations here but since uh, uh, we'll, we'll, since Gene just set this up we'll pick uh, his and that is the oracle just getting lost in that i i do have to say these three boy the, the three cuts that we just played here so far if you're just sort of a casual jazz fan or you know you like you aspire to be a casual jazz fan jen it seems like to me you could get any of these three and you, i mean you'd just be pretty comfortable right for sure i mean i think these are really accessible they have groove they have um things that are just you know what um Noah had said that just kind of hits you right in the heart and stuff that you can just enjoy and not have to really think about it too much. But they're quality music at the same time. We're we're going to get you thinking a, a little bit in the uh, in the final segment here. Uh, I mean, excuse me, in the second segment here. Although not too much, not painfully much. Uh, just you know, a little bit more thinking, a little bit more thinking. Before you know it, you'll actually be thinking. Um, <laughs> but we're going to end this segment with uh, another of Gene's choices. Uh, this is um, uh, Sonny Rollins uh, and uh, Noah. Sonny Rollins, I believe, is 84 years old right now and still— 84 years young. Yeah, this is, uh, this is kind of—it it is, you know, you sort of want to know, like, what is it—because he's touring, right? This is—Gene, this is from a, a, a live CD, right, or a so CD? A, there's a series of uh, what's called road shows that he performed um, uh, at various points throughout the last couple of decades that have been recorded, and this was in France, maybe— Ten years ago, something like that, and uh, and he is basically th- these shows. People flock to these things en masse wherever he is. That's that's he has one of the few people who could command a large audience just when rumors are that he's going to show up somewhere. So yeah, because of who he is and what he represents. So eighty four years old. The key, by the way, on this same CD, by the way, is uh, another one of his classic songs called Patanjali, which is the name of an ancient yoga master and. Sonny Rollins does do. If you're wondering how to be 84 years old and still be, you know, a live performing musician, 
do your yoga. Uh, but this is Someday I'll Find You. It's uh, a Noel Coward tune from the show Private Lives. Uh, so we're going to go, gonna go out uh, of this segment with Sonny Rollins. All right, so we're back. This is our uh, Best Jobs of the Year 2014 uh, with critic Gene Seymour, musicians uh, Jen Allen and Noah Behrman. Uh, so uh, the next uh, song was one of Jen's picks. It's by a musician I'm not familiar with, no, no, Noel Byerman? Noel, Noel, <laughs> Noah Behrman. Noah Behrman. <laughs> right, I, don't, I, I don't know anything about him. Oh, uh, yes, he's a wonderful old pianist um, and a, a good friend of mine, and I love uh, his, his music. So it was an obvious choice for my top ten um, the 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 album's full of just great arrangements and and great music that is very accessible and really going to a point that you know the song I picked was time is now and it's saying you know now's the time to be the person that you want to be that that kind you know giving generous all the things that Noah kind of stands for if you don't know check out his out his uh, website and. Um, you can read his blogs and you can learn a lot about Noah and his music and get a deeper understanding of it. But the the song that I, I chose, I picked that one because it kind of features a, a lot of the musicians he has on the record. Um, and uh, he has a bunch of singers and and instrumentalist violin. And I wrote down everybody's name. You have so many great people on there, but I, I can't go through everybody's names. There's lots of people. Um, Lots of people but. will do. Well, actually, we should hear. I was going to say that if this had not turned up on somebody's list, and I figured Noah would be too modest to have it be on his list, I was going to insist. I, it's in Ripples, which is the name of the CD, is in my mm-hmm. car. Uh, I'm alternating it and the Regina Carter CD a lot. Uh, so this is. Uh, we can talk more about it when we come back from the the cut here. But here is time is now.
No, I, I was wondering, I mean, on this CD, it feels like that you're, as usual, your musical self, your performing self, but it, you, it feels like you really got into being sort of arranger and conductor uh, also to, to a huge degree. I don't know if you, felt, if you felt like you were making an extra step in that direction this time. I suppose. I mean, to a large extent, that was just a product of having the resources of having so many great musicians to mm-hmm. write for. You know, when you're playing, when you're doing a solo piano uh, record, uh, you may have all kinds of uh, orchestrational visions, but uh, you can only make the piano do so much. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I, I felt like I had something that I felt was important to say about the state of the world and about uh, the need for us to be responsible and kind. And uh, and so it became important for me to use the textures that would help reinforce that. And Gene, I, I'm wondering what well, you... Wonder if I can, go ahead. Yeah, yeah go I wonder ahead, if Gene. I can interject something. I just want to interject something. I think that, you know, he, you're talking about his engagement in the now. I think that, you know, this was a year when there was even more of the usual carping about, you know, does jazz matter? Is it relevant? Is it alive? Is, is it dead? Is it sick? And um, I think what most of these choices have in common, ours and, and, and those of other critics, is that the jazz that's coming out, I think this, I think what I just heard is very much in that vein, it's vitally connected with the emotional life of what's going on right now, I think. Um, so many of them, so much of the music, I mean, it can't help but be connected at, at any time. But I think especially this year, there was a lot of this sort of thing. And that, and that my immediate reaction to, uh, to, that, to that cut was its engagement, and uh, you know, I, congratulations, man. I think uh, I think your 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 part of what's going on now is is very much in 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 tune with what's uh, with, with what jazz musicians are doing, what the best jazz musicians are doing. Thank you. You know, speaking of in tune, one of the things I, things I noticed on Ripples was how well tuned the piano was all the way through. I never felt the piano was out of tune. We have a, a George from Weathersfield who's calling in right now. Hi, George. Oh, hi. I'm surprised you got to me, because basically I'm just going to reiterate what everyone else has been saying. I didn't realize you were going to go into uh, Noah's Ripples album, because I wanted to plug it. I think what, what Noah does is he is so concerned, like most most genuine artists, about the world around him, not just uh, got the blinders on about the music. And his music is so... Uh, the music itself stands on its own. And it's beautifully written. The Ripples album is most is primarily instrumental. That yeah. one song is, uh, uh, and and they're beautiful, self beautifully written. And, um, he has, but, and, and just, I hope he talked about some of the causes that he's working on and the organization that he's put together. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just going to interrupt you, George, because your phone's breaking up a little bit. But uh, in just you know, both sort of cards on the table, you are Noah's piano tuner, are you not? Yes, I am. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. That's well. It was that's a, a great job. I must yeah, say. I was. I, as I said, that's one of the things that really jumped out at me about Ripples was how well tuned the piano was. I never felt as though anything was going to go wrong that way anyway. Um, so um, we are now coming, Gene, to what I think is the most, um, and I should be careful how I word this because he may actually be listening. I emailed back and forth with him earlier today. Uh, a guy named Alan Lowe, <laughs> who is, this is, this is the most eccentric thing on anybody's list. This is a 62-cut release uh, with, um, 
uh, I don't know, like a 13,000 word, um, uh, you know, 32 page liner notes booklet, book, booklet yes. liner notes. Yes. And, and I'll let yes. you take over. This guy's name is Alan Lowe. He lives uh, in the other Portland, Portland, Maine, which he professes to hate. Um, yes. And so. Well, it's, it's hard to know what he professes about those things. He, he's 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 very cranky. Um, the best way to describe the, the best single word description of Alan Lowe is polymath. He plays the alto saxophone. He is also a musicologist. He is also a sociologist. He has he's also engaged in music criticism. Um, and he sort of conflates all of these roles into his projects. The most recent of which as Colin alludes to, is something called Mulatto Radio, Field Recordings, Volumes 1 through 4. And um, it's basically a sustained reply to something Wynton Marsalis had said to him some years ago when um, Wynton Marsalis, as, as, as he has typically done, used the word neo-minstrelsy to sort of dismiss or diminish the, um, the importance of hip-hop. Um, and especially what's known as gangster rap. And Lowe's whole view of that term is by no means um, derogatory or demeaning. In fact, he he thinks that both the terms mulatto and minstrel, or I would use the word mongrel, basically describe for him how jazz came to be, how it continues to evolve on all fronts. It's not just simply a black or white or African-American tradition. There's also the Jewish tradition of, of music, Tin Pan Alley, uh, the Actually, grill the, building. The subtitle of the subtitle of this, and he tends to have very, very long titles to his work. Is yes, he does. A Jew at large in the minstrel diaspora. Yes, um, so Which th- I, th- I, th- I think says it all yeah. somehow. So let's, uh, pl- let's play, uh, 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 by the way, if you don't like this particular cut, remember, there are 61 other cuts that you can yeah. choose from. This is Jim Crow Variations. <laughs> I think I'm fascinated with this guy today. He's he's he is he's sort of mad at everybody. One of his other yeah. releases is called uh, "Jews in Hell," and hell turns out to be Maine, <laughs> which is where he lives. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know. First of all, like Noah, would he be on your radar screen? This guy, Alan Lowe, or is he your? He, yeah, he he is. He actually, in my case, has been for a long time because he was a New Haven that's right resident yeah, when yeah, I in New Haven was coming up and learning how to play this music. Uh, so I've been familiar with his. Uh, his um, musical eclecticism and his uh, um, his uh, let's say anti-establishment vibe uh, <laughs> from early on. 
All right. Well, if we say anything more, we'll just get in trouble anyway, and I'll get an email from him. So, uh, but it it really it bears checking out this CD. It really is kind of an interesting. I just want to be clear yeah. to, to your listeners, Colin. You can't get this on iTunes or any of the downloading things. You have to sort of order the disc from him. Directly. Yeah, I think you have to go to Alan's house, actually. <laughs> uh, Probably. Or yeah. he, he works at an insurance company too. I guess you can go there if you want to. Uh, no, you can order it actually from his website. His website is a very well managed thing. So, uh, I'm, instead of saying anything more about, it, I'm going to jump from there. To to uh, one of uh, uh, Jen's choices. I, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. Is it Ryan Keberly? Is that Keberly, how you say it? Yes. Keberly? Yeah. And Catharsis. So this is somebody who everybody who's listening right now has actually probably heard. Mm-hmm. You just don't know it. He's toured with Sufi and Stevens. He's backed up Alicia Keys and Justin Timberlake. He recorded for one Woody Allen film. And he was recently featured as a soloist on a new David Bowie track, Sue, or in his season, uh, a season of crime. Uh, so... Uh, which was recorded last summer in collaboration with the Maria Schneider Orchestra, which I think Gene brought in one time uh, in one of these sessions that we had, uh, something by that group. But anyway, so um, uh, Jen, tell us uh, more about Ryan Coverley before we hear this song, uh, Zone. Well, you know, all the time I'm always asking musical friends that I respect, like, what are they listening to so I can find out some new music? And this one came up recently, and as soon as I heard it, I heard a, an NPR Tiny Desk concert right. that he did, and I just was like, yeah, like, I like this guy's music. Um, it's a pianoless or a, a chordless um, ensemble. And he just makes so much out of that. You don't miss the chords. And as a pianist, I'm always like thinking, how could I add the piano in there to make it sound better? And I don't miss it at all in this. And his writing's great. Um, I like his um, thoughts behind it. If you if you read the liner notes and stuff about him, he's trying to really get in the zone, which is the name of the album, um, and how he does that kind of spiritually and um just in his mind, how he thinks about his art, and and it comes out in his music. Just how he's really just trying to get in the zone. All right, let's hear "Zone" by Ryan Keberly and Catharsis. <laughs> I have to say, I really like this a lot. And Noah, one of the things that makes this particular cut in particular, although she's all the way through this CD, is a woman named Camilla Meza, uh, who's Chilean and came, was originally a guitarist and now does these kind of wordless vocals uh, with uh, with this ensemble. And one of the things I was sort of thinking about was, I mean, we don't have uh, any actual just vocalist uh, CDs that were uh, were showcasing this year, but we have a lot of CDs where somebody sings, including yours. You know, and it seemed like this year a lot of performers were willing to to do that kind of mix vocals in, maybe not in every single cut, but you know, experiment with that a little bit. Yeah, certainly we'll be we'll be hearing that uh, um, sneak preview on uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Green's Green. record soon. But uh, yeah, you hear a lot of that, but whether it's um, lyrics being sung or 
uh, or the wordless singing that we hear here. Um, this past summer, uh, and not, we're, we're reviewing records here, but one of the concert highlights was uh, Wesleyan Center for the Arts hosted Joe Lovano's group with his wife, Judy Silvano, singing mostly wordless um, vocals, which they've been doing for decades now. And it, it gives a certain uh, textural variety, and the human voice, as we all know, has a certain immediacy to it that uh, makes it really compelling and actually, this woman is not actually like primarily a vocalist. Right. She's a guitarist. So it, you get a real instrumentalist type of, uh, of way of playing with the musicians. It's not just like the singer and then everybody's backing her up. She's really in the group. And, and I really enjoyed that. It just, yeah, as Noah said, added a texture that was right up my alley at least. Um, by the way, if you're feeling like, oh, I like that one, I like that one, I'm in the car, I can't write it all down, uh, go to WNPR.org, uh, drop down the menu for our show, uh, we're called the Colin McEnroe Show, uh, later on, and you can find a list of everything that we've done and maybe even some of the cuts that we, we don't get to, and uh, we'll even explain to you who is playing the saxophone uh, on the uh, during the intro, and and, and you can hear the whole intro that got cut off, too. So anyway, um, uh, we're uh, reviewing the, the jazz of the year with Gene Seymour, with Noah Behrman, uh, and uh, with Jen Allen. Um, oh, Gene, I didn't, I, did you want to react at all to, uh, to Ryan Eberly? Well, you, you started out by, by saying that you wanted to get at some general principles of, of, of listening, of jazz that, uh, that musicians and critics look for. Um, I, I think that with... With those, that type of singing, especially, what's apparent is that, um, well, two things. Number one, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the most, most interesting quality and the most prominent quality of jazz occurs when the human voice assumes the identity of an instrument and the instrument assumes the identity of a human voice. Um, those are the things that, that are common to some of the best jazz, but also a capacity to listen, I think. And by listening, I'm not just talking about those of us who are in the audience or listening to it at home, but 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 musicians who listen to each other mm-hmm. on stage and interact and, and the quality, you can get that sense, even if you're not a musician yourself, you get the sense of, of people really listening to each other and picking up on what each other says. It's, it sounds very elementary. But it's it's a lot rarer than you think, and uh, and I, and, I, and that's what I kind of got from that particular track, and indeed from all the things we've talked about so far. That's a great point. So um, uh, earlier, uh, Gene and Jen were both talking about uh, people who played in church, learned to play in church. Uh, Noah Brian Blade, uh, who's uh, next on the list, and I think is one of your choices, is uh, one of those people too. I believe he, he's from Shreveport, Louisiana, where he, he was playing uh, in church. Uh, and uh, tell us a little bit more about this cut and, and, and why you like this release so much. Well, Brian Blade's Fellowship Band, uh, we, we began the program talking about uh, helping people who are on the fence about jazz find a point of entry. And this record is the one, Landmarks by the Brian Blade Fellowship Band, is the one I would pick to start with. If you're, if you're not sure about jazz, but you like the blues, you like singer-songwriter music. This is essentially an instrumental singer-songwriter album only played by some of the hippest jazz musicians on the planet. And it's it's rich and uh, texturally deep, but it's so direct melodically and emotionally that uh, I, I, I don't see how anybody who likes music 
could not be moved by this music. One thing I would just quickly say about this is some of the um, songs that we have here today, today, you can listen to a minute or so or, or, or 90 seconds and kind of get a real sense of it. This is one where you really kind of have to listen to the whole thing. So we're going to be doing an inherent dis- disservice to it. Because, I mean, for example, there is a, a, um, a, a soprano sax solo in the middle of this track by Melvin Butler that's amazing. We probably won't get to it. But it really is this particular track, He Died Fighting. Uh, is You kind of have to listen to the whole thing to really get it. But here's a little bit of it anyway. I'm cutting this off also because a because we don't have time and also because no I just pointed out that's an alto sax not a soprano sax but anyway it's a really great track <laughs> and it was really well chosen uh, and uh, and this is another I mean you know if you're wondering what to have your kid play drums are drums are a great idea because if you're a good drummer you, you can like always work somewhere you know I mean like he plays with everybody he plays with Joni Mitchell and Emmy Lou Harris and Daniel Lanois Wayne Shorter, Wayne Shorter Wayne Joshua Sh- Redman yeah a lot of people yeah. So put your kid out in the garage with some drums and shut the door, uh, and then you can open the But make the door. sure he listens to some pitched instruments, too, so that, like Brian Blade, he has that great sensitivity to what's going on beyond the beat. Great point. Again, uh, no. listening, listening. Listening, yes. yeah. Okay, so uh, I want to make sure we uh, have time at the end for Jimmy Green and David Weiss and, uh, and the rest of it. So uh, Jen's going to take us into the break here with uh, uh, Matt Wilson. Uh, who's teaming up with? Well, I'll, I'll let you sort of set the, set this up. Uh, the the cut, cut we're playing is called Pumpkin's Delight, but uh, tell us about the the CD itself. Yeah, Matt Wilson and um, John Desky, who you might know from Desky, Martin, and Wood. If you've listened to them, um, they work together on this. It's a, a a wonderful album. Matt Wilson always brings a boatload of. Um, just maturity that he has into the music. He swings. He has beautiful ballads. He has grooves that everybody can um, really just uh, like grab onto mm-hmm. and enjoy. Like if you need a point of entry, Matt Wilson is a great right. one, just because he can. Another drummer. Another drummer with uh, a great sense of the pitched instrument. Yes. All right. Sure. Let's let's go out with uh, Pumpkin's Delight from the Matt Wilson Quartet with John Medeski.
Today's show was produced by Colin McEnroe, Betsy Kaplan, and me, Kyone Wolf. Our interns are Katie Pikus and Katie McAuliffe. Greg Hill appeared in the intro and tweets for us at WNPR Colin. The part of Bill Curry was played by Miles Davis. For show pages, articles, and videos of the Faith Middleton Show staff snapping their fingers, but not their own fingers, each other's fingers, visit our website, WNPR.org. On tomorrow's show, Big Al Anderson comes home to Connecticut. And now, back to Colin. And a very special shout-out. Today is the last day for Nia Tyler, our very cool, uh, very wonderful uh, intern, one of the nights who say Nia. So uh, goodbye. Goodbye, Nia. We're going to miss you a lot, but we're going to see you back around the studios because we like the interns to come back. All right. We are going to move. We're we're talking about the best jazz releases of 2014 uh, with Noah Behrman, with Jen Allen, and with Gene Seymour. We're going to move into a slightly more somber section here. There were some very, very serious um, uh, and uh, emotive uh, and very, very beautiful music done this year. Um, and, And really, I mean, probably the most talked about jazz release, not only because of its its tragic backstory, but because it really uh, is an amazing jazz release. It was by Jimmy Green. All of us on this show have been touched personally by Jimmy Green and by his music. Uh, I met him when he was a little kid, or I don't know, not a little kid, but Paul Brown brought him into my studio in the gold building in WDIC sometime in the 90s. He was a very young guy. And this is um, uh, a wonderful CD. We won't have time to really give it the honor it deserves. The good news is at 7 p.m. you can listen to Where We Live Again. He did a whole uh, thing with Where We Live uh, earlier today. Uh, he's uh, That also is available at WNPR.org if you don't catch it at 7. And, and there's been a lot of coverage on, on public radio, national public radio, of Jimmy and this CD. Noah, you, you were the one who had it on, his, uh, on your list, so I'll let you kind of set up the music here. Sure. I think both Jen and I did. And uh, this song is called On His Way. It's a, a piece uh, that Jimmy wrote for his daughter. The piece was called Anna Grace and appeared on his Mission Statement album six or so years ago. And uh, he wrote words to it that are sung on this recording by Kurt Elling. And uh, this whole album is a really touching and important work of art. I really wish it didn't have to exist. Mm-hmm. But um, if we accept that as a given, then uh, he's putting forth um, tremendous soul on all levels of the word with this music. Um, I, I, most of you probably know this. Anna was one of the children who died uh, at Newtown. So, um, so yes, and uh, this CD has, like, everybody is playing on it, too. Um, you know, all kinds of wonderful musicians uh, who, uh, who I, I think, gladly or sadly, uh, but freely gave their time to this wonderful project. And so uh, here's Jimmy Green, and this is Anna's Way. Giving words of hearts each day She loved to pray And thank God for His blessings Far from And indeed, the only way to do uh, justice to it is, I mean, first of all, listen to the whole CD. Listen to John's show with Jimmy. Uh, we we wish we had more time. The, the Children's Choir. And I think those are children who knew Anna, right? They're yeah. friends of Anna and uh, her brother Isaiah is from Winnipeg, yeah. So um, 
sort of connected to this, uh, and this is from Gene's list. Uh, this is we're gonna have to go fast here. We're running out of time here, but uh, this is David Weiss, whose um, "Passage to Eternity" uh, piece is also uh, a reflection on the same tragedy and on Jimmy Green's loss. That's right, isn't it, uh, Gene? I mean, I think David Weiss specifically intends it the, this way. The the whole album is basically uh, steeped in the losses of of not just not just of, of Jimmy's daughter, but also for many people right. who died in the last year in jazz. And 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 what grabbed me about this was that despite the context, the music is so vibrant and lively, and and it really cooks. And uh, I think it, it's it's as I said in my in my blog, when, when when the world is saying no, music like this is supposed to say yes, and it does so. All right, here's uh, David Weiss, "Passage to Eternity." All right. I, asp- I apologize for speeding uh, through all this. And what we're going to do here at the end is bring up um, Ambrose Akin Musare. I hope I said that right. I think I did, though. You did. I did? Okay. Did. Uh, and this is roll, roll Call for Those Absent. We can uh, maybe talk a little bit over this, but this is a, yet another uh, song uh, about loss. Um, you know, Jen Allen, as we're sort of uh, wrapping up here, it does one of the things that jazz is is so good at doing. I mean, think, people think of jazz as being very cerebral at times, but jazz, I think, because it's so fundamentally expressive it really is uh, an incredible connection to to really basic kinds of emotion in this case we're hearing uh three cuts that are that are all very much about grief and loss yeah um yeah it cuts to the core you know i think when you improvise you're giving a piece of yourself and when you're you're composing in this genre you're allowed to do that um i mean all composers can do that but like in this these this genre i i sense it because that's how i write but um I yeah these are moving um pieces and you really get to see a person at their most vulnerable. And so Gene uh, we're going to have to wrap here but very quickly this is once again the voice of uh, of a child saying the names right. of people who have passed right over this very uh, This musical. is this was uh Akim Akim Muzare's uh, uh take on many of the young men who were who died uh at the hands of of police over the last uh, couple of years. And the fact that more names could have been added to this list uh, since the record came out only speaks to its uh, resonance. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we are going to have to wrap up here. Thanks so much to Noah Behrman, to Jen Allen, to Gene Seymour. Check out uh, our website, WNPR.org. There were some songs we couldn't get to and the names of the songs that we did. That'll help you out. Thanks to Kion Wolf, who did incredible work pulling this all together. We'll talk to you tomorrow with Big Al Anderson, very different kind of music. Alan, Trayvon Martin, Trayvon Martin, Trayvon Martin, Oscar Grant.